Okay, well, Dad, I asked you to join this podcast with me because, one, I just don't know enough donors that are thinking about this, and secondly, that it could potentially just be incredibly boring. (laughs) (laughs) So, And with that nice introduction, (laughs) take it from there. I'm Heidi Berkey. And I'm Rachel Goble. And this is the Ethical Storytelling Podcast. Gotta keep it fun. So this was one long conversation that we've broken into kind of three different themes. And so in today's podcast, we're going to talk about failure, starting with our own failures and lessons learned from that. um, And we'll see where it goes. So I think it might be helpful for us just to talk about the failures that we've learned from that have brought us to where we are. And I'm sure will continue to happen until we're no longer involved in these conversations. Um, does that sound good to you? <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling I'll be involved in these conversations most of my life, but okay. Yeah. Um, so I'll maybe start and give some context and then I'd love to hear some stories from you as well. Or if you have questions for me or things that you remember that I've done wrong that I'm not remembering, feel free to point them out <laughs> <laughs> um, without going too far back into my right, childhood. Right, right, Um. But I think just for context, I, th- I think relevant to this conversation, I would actually go down a different path of of maybe not failure, but just my own questions around the role of um, an outsider in a country that's not their own. And mm, right. I think that, you know, looking back 10 years ago when I started the Freedom Story alongside of some other wonderful people, um, I was in... I was in it because I believed in the power of prevention of trafficking, mm-hmm. not necessarily because I felt called to Thailand or wanted to move internationally. And um, if anything, I think Thailand kind of found me because I thought I would probably end up working in Los Angeles and then ended up in Thailand <laughs> somehow. Uh, and at the time, even though I had a degree in cross-cultural studies and had spent a lot of years thinking about what it meant to work cross-culturally, hadn't necessarily lived cross-culturally ever, let alone worked for a long period of time cross-culturally. And so I think looking back on that now, I realized that I was in a position of power and influence to bring in um, investors that also believed in the work that I believed in um, to make it happen and brought all of that um, as much as I could with me to Thailand. Mm -hmm. And now today there's a, a... you know, somewhat large and thriving um, prevention of child trafficking organization. And I'm so happy to see it continue on. But at the same time, I wonder and wrestle with what um, my, the, the, the uncomfortability of being an outsider and always being aware of what, what are my blind spots in this and what are the ways in which I've told the narrative of human trafficking in Thailand in a way that may have been incredibly disrespectful at points or might have even fed to what mass media has been telling donors just to, you know, get them to continue to give and to invest in something I care about. And so, and I know I've done that over the years. We've done that in our film. We've done that in our blogs. Like we have completely in the history of the organization, I'm not saying we do this now, but bought into, if we go undercover into a red light district and get footage and show that to donors, they'll give us money. And we did and it worked. And that is, those are the kinds of things I look back on and 
repent of now. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think all of that at the same time has contributed to now this conversation, right? Of like, when you know, um, how will you do better? And yeah. Yeah. And there's a tendency from, from my perspective as the donor to have somebody like you, who is sort of my cultural translator, um, and find myself being manipulated by that person. Um, you know, we, we live in a world that's post-literate. That's not to say we're illiterate. It just means that image drives reality. So we get caught up in videos like, you know, behind closed doors kind of videos. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get caught up in um, flashy pictures and slick websites and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the donor is just being led to make those mistakes. Mm. But there's plenty of times where the donor is making some bad decisions um, and totally on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think about times where I just didn't really think about the problem deeply enough. Mm-hmm. So there was a, a village we were working in in Central America that had um, no running water. And the women had to walk, I think it was about two or three miles to the closest water source. Um, The community, uh, the village council leaders, who were all men, uh, came came to, yeah, I know, there's there's the first sign, right? Uh, Came to us and said, would you consider building a laundry facility here in the village so that the women didn't have to carry all the clothes down to the river and bring them back and so forth? And I was very eager to get involved with that. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a, a great solution that would um, make life a little bit easier um, and uh, would, would, yeah, it would just make life a lot easier for everybody. So they came up with a plan and they showed me the plan and they offered or they gave me a budget of what it would cost. And quite frankly, the budget was, <laughs> I can remember joking with my wife, Dion, um, you know, we, we spend more money on champagne than we do on this. So let's let's just do it, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't true, but it was, it was a funny line. And so we, we agreed. We said, yeah, we'll do it. And we we set up a system and they, you know, they had to buy a lot of concrete and then a lot of materials and we were paying it as it was going. And we had somebody in the country that we trusted that was overlooking all the process. Um, I can't remember how much longer it was, six, nine months, something like that. We, we came back to check on it and it wasn't being used. <laughs> and I was looking at it and I was going, what, what's, what's the story here? What's going on? Well, it was really obvious. And as somebody that grew up in the construction business, I should have known better. There was no water source. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of obvious, right? I mean, they, they were walking two or three miles to the river to get water. Yeah. What made me think that by actually building this structure, there would be a source of water? There mm-hmm. wasn't. Mm-hmm. And they weren't going to bring the water all the way back and dump it into these big tanks to, to wash their clothes when yeah. they could just wash them at the creek. Yeah. It was such a dumb, stupid mistake we made. And I later realized that, um, I remember talking to a couple of the women and, and they just shook their heads and they said, we were trying to tell the village leaders <laughs> not to do this. And I said, well, then why did they ask me to do this? And, yeah. and the women just shrugged their shoulders and go, I don't know. But um, <laughs> I, I don't know what happened there, but there was clearly a failure on their part. Yeah. Uh, but there was also a failure on my part. 
it was just a dumb thing for me to do that I hadn't thought through very carefully. And I was impulsive the way a lot of Americans can be. Mm -hmm. Let's just throw money at it Mm -hmm. and solve it Mm -hmm. Um, without really taking the time to be thoughtful and engaging in the community and learning more. Yeah. Do you feel like one of your temptations in giving is, is wanting to see it one fix and two get big or scalable? Sometimes. Yeah. Um, You hear that word a lot, scalability, and it drives me crazy because um, the person that's poor and hungry and can't get to school uh, doesn't really care about scalability. Mm -hmm. Um, But I understand why some large organizations need to think that way. Mm -hmm. You know, our organization works in Belize in part because there are no other major nonprofit organizations working there. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of small mom and pop ministries Mm -hmm. and nonprofits, and I applaud them. Mm -hmm. But there's nobody that really takes on a nationwide view of the issues. Um, and it's, you know, I can remember talking to the CEO of uh, World Vision International. Why are you guys not in Belize? It's, mm. you, you're in every country surrounding it. Why not Belize? And he said, because it's, it's a different language. It's a different culture. You can't run a program in Belize from Costa Rica. And so they were not going to invest in this small place of, at that point, I think it was about 250,000 people, total population in the mm-hmm. entire nation. So, you know, they didn't. Um, so it wasn't scalable for them. Yeah. So I get nervous when I hear that word. When, uh, last week when I was with everybody at the gathering, one of the best quotes that came out of that time together was that you can't scale love. (laughs) And, and I think it's the, it's the same, like you can't scale relationship, right? You could put that word in there too. And when you're talking about the importance of relationships with donors and organizations that so you can't scale that, like all of us have limited capacity and the amount of relationships that we can truly keep in our lives. Right. Um, and I think that goes for donor NGO relationships as well as um, the NGO to their constituent relationships too. Yeah, exactly. And I, I want to talk a little bit about something you said earlier about, um, you know, moving to Thailand, not realizing that you were going to move to Thailand and you had these resources and you had contacts with donors and you could do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe made some mistakes as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I rarely meet anybody that moves to a different country and doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, so first of all, we need to just kind of go, yeah, you know, it's just part, it's just part of the game. Um, but I can remember talking with um, a young woman uh, who was thinking about donating to our organization. And she flat out, and she was an American, she flat out refused to do it because she said it's not indigenously run. Mm -hmm. Okay, I get that. To some extent, I completely get that. You need to have indigenous leadership. I I am, (laughs) nobody has to convince me of that. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there was no indigenous leadership doing what our organization stepped in to do. So we acted like a catalyst that was there for a short period of time before we turned it over to indigenous leaders. And I'm proud of that. Um, I don't have a problem saying we uh, stepped in and did something that brought indigenous leadership forward mm-hmm. to carry it from that point on. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes I think there's this balance that we have to have. Yeah. So one of the terms that's flying around a lot right now is, well, two terms, Christian colonization <laughs> yeah. and NGO colonization. Right. Right? The two have a lot of intersection. Absolutely. Um, do you have any 
response to those or? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of truth to it. And I think that it's, it's indicative of all the things that we've just now been talking about. Um, when you have donors who don't take the time and you have organizations that want to leverage the donor context they have and give them an experience in a different country that fits the narrative, mm-hmm. then you're going to get those kinds of colonization, as you put it, mm-hmm. whether it's Christian or nonprofit or NGO or whoever, mm-hmm. you're going to get that. And I've seen it over and over again in almost every country I've ever been to, yeah, um, including the U.S. Yeah. I mean, it's here as well. It's it's in your own hometown in Oakland. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, it absolutely exists. It's a problem. I see it especially in two ways. One, when a North American or Westerner says, I'm moved, say Thailand, for instance, I'm mm-hmm. moving to Thailand and I'm going to be there for 10 years. Yeah. That really worries me because yeah. um, you are not, you have no motivation to create indigenous leadership. Now, there might be unique situations where that's appropriate, you know, a very unique skill set or something like that. Mm-hmm. But by and large, that's not so good. Not yeah. a good idea. And the other area I see it really happen a lot is um, short-term service trips, mm-hmm. where um, in the Christian culture, it's short-term mission trips, where they come in and they, they spend a week and um, they pour concrete or they paint a wall. Um, you know, I've been guilty of this. You, you recruit groups and teams to come um, because you know they're going to become donors. Yeah, They go home excited about what you're doing. Yeah. And so they want to sponsor students and they want to help build a new classroom and they do all those things. It's a real temptation for the nonprofit to manipulate that. And it is a completely fabricated experience for a lot of the people that go on the short-term trips. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've seen people come home from short-term trips and they stand up and they go, the people there are so happy. <laughs> and I just, I thought I, I would change them and they changed me. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you just groan because you know, okay, you were there six days and the whole time you stayed in a hotel with a bunch of other North Americans right? and ate North American food, et cetera. So it, it is a problem. So for donors that want to invest well and want to avoid the um, supporting NGOs that, that might not be taking this kind of long-term indigenous leader, um, eventually stepping away approach, how, what advice would you give to a donor? Yeah, email me and I can give you a list of books to read for one thing. <laughs> um, and I, I am completely serious. Uh, there's, you have to educate yourself. Yeah. You have to start there. And it's not just educating yourself about, say, in the Christian culture, about the theology of missions. It's understanding cross-cultural relationships. Mm-hmm. It's, it, that, that's a big area of weakness in, in the church. Um, it's understanding... Um, language barriers, uh, it's understanding um, the way that you see things through a prism. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, most of us that are donors, like I I grew up in a junkyard and I spent the last 30-something years, almost 40 years in commercial real estate. I mean, what do I know about trafficking in Thailand right. or education in Belize? I mean, I'm no expert on that stuff. Yep. But you have to train yourself. You have to learn. And uh, I'm going to be 60 years old in a couple of weeks, and I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, every time I travel and go someplace, I learn something new. Mm-hmm. So 
and we might be moving away from our original thesis of talking about our failures now, but I think that this what, we're is... rambling. What a shock. <laughs> um, but I am curious. You are, you just said that you're still learning and you're always going to be learning. And I've seen that in you and I've even watched, you know, from our childhood to now, how differently you give or how differently um, you partner with organizations, the questions that you ask, um, all of that has shifted over the years, right? I've even watched as you and mom have kind of wrestled back and forth with um, what is that healthy balance of wealth and generosity. And so through all of that, what is it that, that, how do you stay open? How do you stay open to change? Yeah. Well, I admit it gets harder as you get older. <laughs> uh, at some point, it's really easy to just sort of throw in the towel and give up. And there have been, there have been flights home from some trips where I felt that way. Mm. But um, honestly, I, I, it comes back to what we started talking about way back earlier. It's that relationship. Mm-hmm. You were at a fundraiser with me on Saturday night, and I sincerely said it. The pictures that were on the slideshow of the people that were in Belize, mm-hmm. um, I knew over half of those people. Yeah. I had a real relationship with them. Um, and that's what brings me back, is learning constantly like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you another example. Um, went to Peru this year. Yeah, all the llamas. That was fun, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know about the llamas, but yeah, it was a fun <laughs> trip. And um, we had three guides on mm-hmm. our trip. One was an American woman, mm-hmm. one was a Costa Rican man, mm-hmm. and the other was um, a Peruvian man. It was really interesting to me to watch the interrelationship between the Costa Rican man and the Peruvian man, mm. because the Costa Rican, um, he knew a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and he was really good at what he did, but he was smart enough to completely defer to our Peruvian guide. Yeah. And that was, that was impressive. And watching a cross-cultural interaction that sort of transcended the normal Western to the rest of the world yeah. transaction. I really enjoyed that. That was a, and that, you know, here I am learning new things at an old age. Yep. You're not supposed to say yep at that. I'm yep. not that old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that you feel like you need to say that you didn't say? Buy my book. <laughs> oh my you want to give a quick plug? So if anybody is interested in maybe digging into some of this a little bit more, my dad actually wrote a book called Junkyard Wisdom, and the um, subtitle to it, I think, explains it better than the title. But it says, Resisting the Whisper of Wealth in a World of Broken Parts. And I appreciate the vulnerability um, and honesty of both my dad and my mom, because even though mom didn't write the book, she still had a lot of say in the book. Um, and just navigating their wealth um, and generosity as part of their faith. And so if you're interested as a donor, especially, um, and maybe digging into some of this a little bit deeper, this is maybe one good resource for you. Thanks. Welcome. And I have a second book coming out in January. So go find it on Amazon. Just Google my name. There's your sales pitch. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. You're welcome. Appreciate Thank you. it. Got everything you need? Good to go. Cool.